0: Well, Stephen Fry has had a fairly successful career by most people's standards, but was in the papers today for declaring that there is something of a hole in his life, a child-sized hole. He regrets not having children and rather suspects that at the age of 65, that time has passed. Let's talk about this with Scott Casson-Rennie. Scott is presenter of the Adoption and Fostering podcast and is an adoptive parent of three boys. Hello, Scott. Uh, Hi, Nicky, You all right? Yes, good, thanks. So what made you come to the decision to start a family?
1: Well, it's an interesting question because um, when when I read this thing um, from Stephen Fry, the first thing that struck me was generation. There's a generational gap between me and him, obviously, um, and um, adoption was really our first choice but to get to that point in, in our lives, um, we, we like to try new things, and that maybe sounds a bit shallow. But we liked to, you know, to, we, we enjoyed the company of our nieces and nephews and our godchildren, um, etc. And we got to thinking, maybe we could do this. Um, can this can I just can I just ask who's yeah. who's the we here? Oh, sorry. Yeah. So, <laughs> so my now husband Tristan, um, who was uh, my civil partner back in uh, the early 2003. Time when we started to look into this and started to think about it, Um, and uh, we've been together since 1998, so 25 years coming next year, Um, and you know we we just started to think about what 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 could we do, what could we do to make a difference. Um, That's not looking for any kind of pat in the background and that. It's just you know we were looking after, we were helping to care for, should I say our godchildren, nieces and nephews. And it just got us thinking, you know, maybe we could do this. Maybe we could be parents. Um, and when the law changed in 2005-06, there were same-sex couples and single people could adopt. Um, it really started to kind of make us wonder, wow, okay, so if that's now legal, then maybe we should consider it, which we did. And three years later,
0: we were parents. And so why did you go down the fostering route rather than uh, the other way of doing it, which would be yeah. to um, uh, invite a woman to have the baby for you?
1: That's really interesting because I I always struggle with this um, in my head. It's not that I, you know, I wish any will on anybody who's gone through surrogacy because, you know, obviously people do things for their own reasons. I think for us, what um, struck me was that... Um, When we looked into this, there was kind of a lot of co-parenting going on. Um, So, you know, um, effectively, I mean, we were looking at um, uh, same-sex couples who were female um, to do this with initially um, and it was really a, a need for both sides to be parents um, and I think for us that just didn't suit it, it just wasn't something that we were you know willing to do we were either all in or, not, or nothing kind of thing so you know but there's nothing against it you know I know people like Elton John have done it you know um, it's, it's just it just wasn't for us and then when we looked into you know children in care and realized actually do you know what there's there's people in this world who who need families and um, there's children who are suffer from neglect and abuse and, you know, all that kind of stuff that, that need a permanent home. Um, it sounds really simple. Back then it was. Um, but that was 16, 17 years ago. You know, it's, uh, my, my view on it changed slightly since then. But effectively, that's why we went down that route, because we just wanted to make sure that children who were looking for um, homes and families, that we could provide that for them. And so now you are
0: presenting a podcast about adoption and fostering mm. what 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 uh, propelled you to make that
1: so it's an interesting one because um, i think when you well way back in when two thousand and six seven adoption was seen as the kind of the the golden egg the you know the, the the thing that you would do um it would make you happy it would make the children happy et cetera et cetera um me, me and my co um al we um He's adopted six kids. I've adopted three. Um, so between us, we've got nine adopted children, and he's got some grandchildren. And and in actual fact, adoption isn't easy. Um, I found out very early on, and and you know this is before you were able to access support and help and things like that online, you know, the that it was very much in its early days. Um, so sitting alone, struggling, wondering if these behaviours were because of me, wondering if, you know, I was doing it wrong, etc., made me really kind of consider trying to help people. So the podcast was born out of that, really. You know, we'd done lots of things separately beforehand, but we came together as, um, you know, two, two friends, really, who wanted to start making a difference and start to kind of share our... Um, our experience of adoption because it's not just adopt a child and you know the rest of your life is fab- fabulous or is theirs <laughs> so what sort of
0: age of children did you adopt and what was the process did you adopt them all at once or was it um you know with a uh, mm.
1: one after the next yeah, so um, initially we adopted the older two brothers um, who are now, dare I say, 24 and 23, so they're, they're not so much babies anymore, or children. But they were um, seven and eight when they were placed with us, which was deemed as old. Um, and when I say old, you know, the maximum age really in the UK that you would um, expect to see a child adopted is 10. And even then, that is, you know, that is the limit, if you like. There's very few adoptions that happen at the age of 10. Um, four or five, the age of four or five is actually deemed as old, older to adopt. Um, So uh, they were seven and eight. And then about five or six years later, we were approached by our agency to consider um, our third son. Um, And he was seven as well. So it's always been older children. We've never had to do the nappy thing. We've never had to stay up all night. Well, not every night anyway. But, you know, there's been a few sleepless nights, of course. But, yeah, it's um, really, you know kind of, that connection with, with these children, with what they've been through, rather than, you know, I wanted a baby, I didn't want a baby, I never wanted a baby. Um, and that fade for us, and it fade for them as well.
0: So, you say that it's uh, it was an old age at which to adopt the children. Uh, is mm-hmm. it that, it's the same kind of thing, I, I, don't, I don't want to belittle it or make fun of it, but is it a little bit like pets? People don't want older pets, they want puppies. Is... Is it a choice for um
1: the, those that are adopting,
0: or is that is there something else that I'm missing?
1: I think that um you know sixteen years later there's less people looking to adopt a child to adopt a baby or a very young baby, should we say up to the age of one um up to the age of one, the chances of you having that child is fairly slim, so you know children have to go through some assessments, um, sorry, their children and their, and their birth parents have to go through certain assessments. So it's not just a case that you can rock up at an agency and say, hi, I'd like a baby. That's likely not to happen unless the baby is, um, you know, um, placed for adoption by the parents, should we say, which is very rare these days in the UK. And I think the problem that we've got in the UK is, it's, uh, you know, we've, we've gone through um, many decades of it, um, of children being put, placed for adoption by their parents or if you want to use old-fashioned terms relinquished or put up for adoption, which are not words that we use anymore because, you know, it's, it's not the way it works. Um, so I think that the UK still has this kind of um, this interpretation that that is what adoption is, when in actual fact, the majority, and I'm talking way over 95% of children who are adopted in the UK come from the care system who've been neglected or abused. Um, and older is certainly an issue. Um, so are sibling groups. So sibling groups and older children and pe- children with disabilities and children of different, different ethnicities, they are the harder-to-place children in our society. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of work going on to try and resolve that. Um, but it's, it's a continuing theme. Older children, siblings, ethnicity groups, you know, these are all the children that are, are sitting um, waiting um To to essentially be placed for adoption. And if you
0: hadn't adopted them at the age of seven, what would have happened to them?
1: Well, that's an interesting thought, and it's it's quite upsetting to think about, especially for my youngest one, because my youngest one it was almost his last chance. Um, he was destined for residential care, which you know I'm not saying there's anything wrong with good residential care, but we know that's very patchy in terms of what children and young people can expect. Um, and as for the other two, again, you know, they were older, they were seven and eight. Um, their foster parents had given notice um, that they could no longer care for them. So, you know, there's 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 that to think about on top of everything. Uh, you know, I'm not a martyr for having done it, but I just don't know where, where they would have ended up had they not had, you know, an element of love and um, one-to-one time and, you know, being part of a family. Um, I, I really don't know. And have you ever
0: felt imposter syndrome when parenting? Because imagine if um, uh, you, if you go through having a child yourself, then there is a certain uh, preparation. I mean, you know you're going to have no. a child, you've got nine months to prepare for it. And so you get your head in the space of uh, being uh, a, a part of a family. But mm. it's, it's less like that when you adopt, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, I mean, imposter, so just- Is a massive thing. You know, I look at my now 24 and 23 year olds and I wonder how, how they're still alive. (laughs) How did I manage to keep them alive for that long? Um, and I don't mean that in a, in a sarcastic or, or any other way more than, you know, I was a gay man who, um, at the age of, I think 14, 15, um, just knew that I was never going to have children. Um, but it turns out it was just that I wasn't going to have biological children. Um, and every day you know I do have to pinch myself and think how 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 did people trust me to parent somebody else's children because effectively that's what I'm doing. you know my children have a, have more family than just us, um, and we have to respect that so it's a it's a really kind of tricky thing to balance in your own head um you know, when they pass the driving test, when they become 18, you know, when they get their first um, full-time job. You know, these are all kind of milestones that, you know, um, the uh, someone who is parenting biological children would be really pleased and proud of. And for us, you know, yes, we've helped contribute to that, but there's also other parents who've obviously contributed to that in a certain way. So imposter syndrome is, is a daily occurrence.
0: And so can you remember your life before you... Uh took on this responsibility and afterwards and um, some of the things that perhaps you weren't expecting to change in your
1: life. Oh, I can remember my life vividly before this. You know, I used to get lay-ins for a start, you know, and it may have been seven and eight, but, you know, um, certainly, you know, (laughs) I used to be Saturday midday sleeper kind of thing, you know, I'm now up at seven o'clock on a Saturday. So that's that's one of the kind of things that you just have to accept, I guess. Um, But the... um, the um, the other the other kind of all the other stuff is kind of it's all superfluous really because you just you just crack on with life I think um, you know we decided to become parents and we decided to put ourselves in this position um, you know afterwards I I remember the first week and it, you know I I we fessed up to children's services about this so there's you know I'm not putting myself into trouble but the first week I remember we put the boys to bed and about an hour later. We had a supermarket at the end of our road and I said to my, my husband, you know, should we go pop over and get some bits for the morning? Not even thinking that we had two kids upstairs, you know, and we were literally going out the front gate and went, damn, we can't do this anymore. You know, one of us has to go. We can't both go kind of thing. So it was things like that. And, you know, it's, but it's all really kind of minimal stuff for me anyway. Um, and, you know, you just get... Now, especially now they're older, you know, I get so much out of them. You know, we, we're we able to help them to become responsible adults and as successful as they want to be. What more could you want from being a parent? And have
0: the other people in your life responded to
1: you being a parent now? Absolutely no problems at all. Anybody in our life has really kind of, you know, just accepted the boys for being our sons, you know, whether that's... Um, our parents or our um, siblings or, you know, whoever. Um, it's just, you know, it's it's magnificent, really, when you think that, you know, maybe 20, 30 years ago that this wouldn't be possible, um, excuse me, um, just for people to be so accepting of it, you know. And I do read of, of many people who, who don't have that kind of similar experience. But for us, we've never had a problem, um, whether that's been in school, whether that's been, you know, um, in workplaces and stuff. Um, it's, it's just... You know, it's just genuinely something that we've kind of bounced through um, without any problems.
0: And just finally, what would you say to people who might think, well, being gay is the universe's way of telling you not to have children?
1: (laughs) yeah well you know there's people that think it um but the research suggests and this is evidence now that actually you know um gay people can parent um gay people have parented for many years actually um despite um the fact that they couldn't adopt um and you know what i think you know the reason that we're chatting really is about stephen fry and, and his comments um you know in adoption i get asked lots of times about age and adoption and you know what it comes down to the individual who wants to um, become a parent really in terms of their age there is no age barrier to adoption yes there's health um, kind of um, medical kind of things and stuff that go with it but you know in terms of age it's not really uh, it's not really an issue anymore but yeah you know come and see my family that's what I would say to them you know um, my boys aren't gay Um, you know they're heterosexual they live their lives um, you know, they love their football, they love all the stuff that you would expect. Uh, you know, gay people like that too. <laughs> so, yeah, come and come and meet my kids and, and they will soon tell you, don't
0: worry. <laughs> Good to talk to you, Scott. Thanks very much for your time. Thank you. Scott Casson-Rennie, presenter of the Adoption and Fostering podcast and adoptive parent of three boys. So we were talking about Stephen Fry then. He uh, was in the papers today having said that he regrets not having had children. If you didn't choose to have children. Is that something you...